0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, Living Water. How are you guys doing today? I am so glad to see you guys here today. Um, Welcome. If you're joining us in person, please turn to your neighbor and give him a wave. And if you are joining us online, feel free to drop an emoji in the comments. Maybe tell us where you're joining in from. We'd love to know. If you are joining us online or in person, we encourage you guys to go ahead and like and share. We want to get the gospel out to as many people as possible, and you can help us in that way. Um, And don't forget to subscribe to our page so that you know uh, everything that's going on here at Living Water. Well, Welcome to our first week, or our fourth week, I'm sorry, of our DME series, Direct Message. And we've been talking about some shorthand codes that people use when they're text messaging or emailing. So, first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna recap the last few weeks. On week one, on Easter Sunday, Pastor Rick preached on what makes the Lord LOL or laugh out loud. On week two, Pastor Sean used the acronym. Anybody remember? T-L-D-R, too long, didn't read. And he reminded us that Jesus didn't just die and that we need to keep reading the story to know that he is alive, amen? On week three, Pastor Steve talked about the phrase LMK, or let me know, and he reminded us that, let me know if you love God. And um, he reminded us that we love because he first loved us, right? I am Amanda Torres, and I'm the children's ministry director here at Living Water, and we are going to talk today about the private messaging phrase that maybe some of you have heard of. TBT. TBT. Can anyone guess what TBT means? I hear throwback Thursday. Yeah, that is the number one meaning of TBT in the urban dictionary, right? And, um, and, and that, that is exactly what it means, throwback. Now, last week... There's a few meanings, though. Last week, my husband and I had a date night planned, and um, I was like, where are you going to take me? And he said, TBT. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? He said, Taco Bell time. And I'm like, listen, lucky for him, he was just kidding, because that would not have been a good date for me. Um, But that's not the definition we're going to use today, either. Um, The third definition, actually, in the Urban Dictionary is truth be told. Truth be told. How many of you guys have heard that? Truth be told. Truth be told. And we're going to be talking about the truth. What is the truth? I think we all have a pretty good idea, but I thought I'd bring you guys the definitions just to, to show you what Webster actually says. The first definition is the quality or state of being true. That's pretty simple, pretty straightforward, right? Now, the second definition is what actually or really is happened. And the last definition is, get this, a fact or belief that is accepted as true. Hmm? Well, when I read this definition, it kind of alarmed me that the word truth is now based on a belief that, of something that is just widely accepted. I mean, how many of you guys know that just because something's widely accepted doesn't mean it's true? Right? Well, as a matter of fact, I looked up a few things that I feel like are widely accepted. Um, tell me if you guys have heard of this one. A penny dropped from the top of the Empire State Building will kill you. Have you heard of that? Has anybody ever heard of that? No? Okay. Well, let's take a quick poll. If you believe that's true, give me a thumbs up. And you can drop, drop it in the comments, too, if you're joining us online. Or give me a thumbs down if you think that's false. Okay. All right. All right. So we've got mostly downs here. On Mythbusters, the scientists determined that a penny traveling at terminal velocity cannot penetrate concrete or asphalt, and it won't cause serious damage to a person, or even at the speed of sound, it will not damage flesh. So at most, it could sting a little, they say. So that one was false. And I heard that growing up a lot. I'm surprised. All right, what about this one? I know you guys have heard this one. It takes seven years for your body to digest gum so don't swallow it, right? That was like a rule. Don't swallow your gum, right? If you think that's true, give me a thumbs up. If you think that's false, give me a thumbs down. Okay, okay. We're like 50-50. Wow, okay. Well, actually, gum will pass right through you and leave your body within a matter of hours or days. According to Healthline, the ingredients in gum cannot be digested at all, so your body will just pass it along. All right, here's the last one, okay? Are you ready? I know, you're in suspense, right? On average, you swallow eight spiders a year in your sleep. How many of you have ever heard of that one? How many of you have never thought about that and worried about it until now? (laughs) All right, all right. Well, uh, if you think it's true, give me a thumbs up. If you think it's false, give me a thumbs down, okay? I'm telling you, this one's haunted me for years. Uh, it's far from true, thank the Lord, right? Scientific American claim that spiders don't intentionally crawl into bed because there's no prey and they don't care about humans. Spiders regard, spiders regard us humans like they'd regard a big rock, said Bill Shear, the former president of the American Arachnological Society. All right, well, I'm relieved about that one. I'm relieved about all of them because nobody wants a penny to drop on them, right? Anyway, So today we're going to be talking about some basic biblical truths that may or may not be widely accepted, but in fact are true. And that brings us to our first point. If you're taking notes on the outline, you can fill this in. And Our first point is truth be told, God sees you. Truth be told, God sees you. Actually, in Scripture, God has a ton of names, and all these different names that he has describe Him and his character and different attributes of his character. And one of the names that he has actually is El-Rohi, which means the God who sees me. The God who sees me. And this name of God was first mentioned in the Bible when Sarah and Abraham were trying to have a baby. And the story can be found if you want to reference it in Genesis 16. But let me just give you the brief rundown. God had promised to bless Abraham with innumerable children, but Sarah had not been able to have any kids yet, and they were getting older. So Sarah decided that she was going to help God out, right, and help him with his plans. And, um, and she decided to give her slave, Hagar, her, uh, to Abraham so that her slave could have a baby with Abraham, and, and at least then Abraham can have kids that way, right? That was her human mind um, fulfilling God's promises for her life. And so Hagar actually did become pregnant, and um, and then all of a sudden, you know, like Sarah didn't expect this to happen, but she started really getting jealous and really angry at Hagar that this happened, and and so she actually started to mistreat Hagar. And um, so here Hagar is, a slave who was forced to sleep with her master, who is now pregnant, and now she's being mistreated for doing what she was told to do, and and so she... Felt so badly that she felt like she had to run away in her situation. So she ran. And when she ran, an angel came to Hagar and, and told her, listen, go back to Sarah. Your, your descendants are going to be many. And, um, and this, in, in this moment, this is when Hagar calls God the God who sees me. It, when Hagar, like I said, she was a slave. She was a woman, and back then, you know, you were less than if you were a woman. And you were, she was forced to sleep with her master. She was pregnant. She was mistreated by her master's wife. She was alone, and she felt her only way out was to run away. And this is where God sees her. This is where God met her. Have any of you ever felt alone like that? Where like you've tried to do everything right, you're just moving through life and you do what you feel like you need to do and, it, and you, you kind of feel like maybe you're being punished a little bit, right, with everything that's going on and you just feel like you want to walk away from it all. Anybody been there? God sees you in your own individual situation and he knows exactly what you're going through. Deuteronomy 31, six says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. So let me ask you this. What are you dealing with right now? What are you dealing with right now? Are you dealing with relationship issues? Because God sees that. Are you dealing with family drama? Because God sees that. Are you dealing with workplace issues? He sees it. Are you dealing with emptiness, heaviness, confusion? God sees it. Are you dealing with financial issues, health crisis? Are you dealing with grief? Because God sees it all. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? I'm here to tell you, church, today, that you are much more valuable than a bird to God. And that brings me to point number two, which is truth be told, God loves you. You can write that down. Truth be told, God loves you. Some time ago, my boss asked me to call a student to my office. I work with... um, I work in a middle school. And so he asked me to call a student to my office, and this student um, was kind of causing a ruckus and a commotion. And this student is like a frequent flyer, right? That's what we call him in schools. That means it's like this is like an everyday thing, right? So I called the the kid down and, and I wanted to talk to them. And I'm like, I'm like trying to get to the bottom of why are they always acting out, right? Like, and so I'm talking to them, I'm like, what's going on? Talk to me. Why, what tell me what's happening here? And the student just looks at me and they say, listen, it doesn't matter how I act. Nobody likes me anyway. Doesn't matter what I do. Adults don't like me. Kids don't like me. It Doesn't matter. And I just looked at them. And instantly I knew that they were dealing with rejection. They were dealing with something that was really deep. And they were acting out because of it. And I just looked at this student and I said, well, I like you. And then they looked down, and I said, look at me, look up. And I said it again, I like you. I like you. And all of a sudden, the student just burst out crying, just tears flowing down their face. And I knew in that moment, they they just kept saying, I don't know why I'm crying, I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm crying. And I knew exactly why they were crying. They felt like they were unlovable. They felt like they were unwanted. And I had just spoken to that rejection by saying, no, I like you. And I want to tell you guys today in the same way, some of you here need to know, God doesn't just like you. He loves you. He loves you. He cherishes you. You are the apple of his eye. Now, some of you might think that that's a funny saying, right? The apple of your eye. But and I truly feel like some of you may be thinking of this picture when I say that. Right? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? All right. Well, let me tell you a quick story. One night around midnight. I was um, driving home from my parents' house, and I had the boys with me in the car, uh, Chris and Lucas, and they were a little younger, like two and three. And um, so, okay, I'm driving, right? And I'm pulling out of my parents' house, and it's, it's, it's really dark out, and I have very, very dark tint on my car. And sometimes when there's, like, not very many streetlights at night, I have to kind of roll down my windows to kind of make sure I'm seeing everything, you know, not missing anything. So I roll down my window, and I go to make a turn, and something flies into my window and hits me in the face and hits my eye. And I was like, what the? I turn the light on in the car. I looked down, and there is a huge palmetto bug on my lap. Okay. For those of you who don't know me, I have an irrational fear of palmetto bugs, okay? Thank God there was nobody else on the road. Because I swerved, I almost hit a mailbox, I pulled off to the side, I jump out of the car, and I'm out of the car like this, and you know, I, I know some of you are thinking, what happened with the kids? And I'm like, yeah, they're still in the car, okay? They're still in the car, and I'm out of the car, and I'm like, oh my gosh! <sighs> and Chris, he's three, he's like, mama... Mama, get in the car. What are you doing? And I'm like, Chris, Chris, it's okay, it's okay. And I don't know if I was telling him it was okay, if I was trying to tell myself it was okay, but it wasn't working either way. And I was like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm like trying to calm myself down. And I did what I thought was the next most logical thing. And that was I called my husband. Okay, I'm like, I'm like, uh, it's midnight, right? He's already sleeping. He's at home. And I'm like, Eric, you gotta come get me. You, you gotta come. I can't drive home like this. I can't drive home. I can't find it. I don't see it. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, there's a roach in my car. Come get me and hit me in the face. And by that time, I think he was like so asleep that he just hung up and he didn't realize what was going on. And I thought I was dying. Okay, so I did the next most logical thing, which was I called my dad. (laughs) And I I get I get him on the phone. Thank God he wasn't sleeping yet because I had just left. And and uh I appreciate this dad so much if you're, if you're watching this because he, can't, he walked down the street, he brought a can of Raid and uh, he searched my car for the roach and he looked under the seats and he sprayed under the seats and stuff and he's like, listen, it, I don't see anything but, in it, uh, but if it is here, you know, it's dead now because of the, the roach spray. He's like, but here, take the can of spray with you and I'm telling you, I white-knuckled it with the spray in my hand, with the lights on in the car the whole way home. I don't know how I made it, but I made it, right? Good job, yay me, yay me. And the worst part about the entire situation, other than like almost dying, was that when this thing hit me in the face, one of its legs had actually scratched my eye. And it hurt for several days, like the actual, like the white part of my eye was scratched and and it hurt very badly. And so I was dealing with this pain for several days, and some of you are probably wondering, like, what am I talking about? So I'm gonna bring it back for you right now. What happens when something comes toward your eye, right? You blink, you may, like, swipe away with your hand, right? Your eyelashes keep debris from getting into your eye. If it's, if it's a roach and you're like me, you run. But let's go back to that saying, the apple of God's eye. It actually derives from David, and uh, from Psalms 17, 8 through 9, and David said it like this, Keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings, from the wicked who are out to destroy me, from my mortal enemies who surround me. In this verse, David is praying that God would protect him, and he even suggests that God protects his children like the body naturally protects the eye. In ancient times, your eye was seen as one of the most precious parts of your body, and it was highly protected. Your cheekbones shelter it from incoming blows. Your, your eyebrows keep sweat from dripping in, and your eyelashes act like windshield wipers keeping unwanted intruders out. Your eyelids shut so that your eye can get rest. And God treats his children just like that. He protects us, and he has already proved this by allowing his son to stretch out his arms and protect us from the harm of our own sin and rebellion. Are you struggling to know that God sees you today? Well, I'm here to remind you that you are the apple of his eye, and he loves you this much. He loves you this much. So let's recap. Truth be told, God sees you. Truth be told, God loves you, and truth be told, God wants to be known by you. Sometimes I feel like people think God is like some distant, faraway being who can't hear you, can't see you, but that's not the case. God wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to spend time with him, and he wants you to have a relationship with him. The Bible says that God reveals himself through creation. So the question then becomes, like, how do you get to know God? Well, the Bible says creation itself tells you about God. Romans 1, 19, 20 says, They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky, Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Creation itself shows off how powerful God is. He also reveals himself through his word, right, the Bible. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And when we hear the word of God, our faith grows and our ability to know God grows, it cannot be emphasized enough how the study of God's word, the Bible, is paramount to knowing him better. When we spend more time with God, we know him better, and it becomes easier to identify fact from fiction. It becomes easier to identify when the world has sold us a widely accepted truth. It becomes easier to know that the truth of God is bigger than any truth that the world can offer. It, the truth of God is bigger than our circumstances. What do I mean by that? It's bigger than our circumstances. It means that no matter what you're going through today, whatever is happening in your life, your current situation, your current story, that the truth of God is bigger than that. The truth of God's love is bigger. You might be stuck between your situational truth and God's truth. For example, let me explain that. Your situational truth might be that you're having financial issues right now, but God's truth is that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and that he can provide all your needs, Philippians 4.19. Your situational truth might be that you're having health issues right now but God's truth is that he died on the cross and by his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53, 5. Your situational truth might be that you feel really depressed or anxious or you're struggling with suicidal thoughts. And and God's truth says that you are not given a spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of a sound mind, and the joy of the Lord is your strength, 2 Timothy 1, 7 and Nehemiah 8 and 10. We need to remember that God's truth is is more true than any situational truth we have going on in our life and what we're dealing with. And God's truth can be learned by getting into God's word. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, But God's truth stands firm like a great rock, and nothing can shake it. It is a foundation stone. It is a foundation stone. It is something that we can build our life on. How many of you guys have ever um, seen, I know many people, but it's been a long time, The Wizard of Oz? The Wizard of Oz, right? It's a classic. Well, in case you haven't seen it, or in case you can't remember the storyline, I'm just going to give you a little brief uh, refresher on the movie. When a tornado rips through Kansas, Dorothy and her dog, Toto, follow the yellow brick road towards the Emerald City to meet the wizard. En route, they meet a scarecrow, a tin man, and a cowardly lion. The wizard asks the group to bring him the broom of the wicked witch of the west to earn his help and finally they get back and let me show you what happens next do not arouse the wrath of the great and powerful oz i said come back tomorrow if you are really great and powerful you keep your promises do you presume to criticize the great oz you ungrateful creatures, think yourselves lucky that I'm giving you audience tomorrow instead of 20 years from now. Oh. The great Oz has spoken. Oh. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The great and Oz has spoken. Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the great and powerful wizard of Oz. You are? Uh, I don't yes. believe you. No, I'm afraid it's true. There's no other wizard except me. You HUMBUG! Yeah. Uh, yes, it's yes, exactly so. I'm a HUMBUG. Oh, you're a very bad man. Wow. Wow, well, listen, I feel like some, some of us might feel like God is kind of like the Wizard of Oz, like some mysterious man hiding behind a curtain, pulling strings, and we come to him for help, and he's like, hey, you know, come back tomorrow, right? But God is not anything like that. The God I worship isn't smoke and mirrors. The God I worship isn't looking for you to do him many favors, and the God I worship isn't hiding behind any curtains, when Jesus died on the cross, he was a sacrifice for our sins. And the Bible says in that moment when he died, the veil that separated man from the presence of God in the temple and the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom. And this symbolized that the barrier between God was removed. And now, thanks to Jesus, our high priest, we can no longer be separated from God because of our sin. The price was paid. And we can be in direct relationship with him in his presence. Thank you, Jesus. But we have to seek him. Jeremiah twenty-nine, thirteen says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The truths we spoke about today are not just widely accepted pieces of fake news. The truth is, God sees you. God loves you. And God wants to be known by you. We need to remember the truth about God. If you're already a Christian, then it's your mission in life to get to know him more and share your testimony with others. And maybe that starts today with recommitting your life to him. But if you don't know God and you want to get to know him, maybe that starts today with a first time commitment for you. Either way, it's simple. You recognize that truth be told, God sees you. He loves you enough to send his son to die for you, and he was raised three days later so that you can get to know God and be in his presence. If you want to start that commitment today or recommit your life to him, I want to pray with you. Let's bow our heads and repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to get to know you more. I thank you that you loved me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for me and pay for my sins. I know that I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior from here on out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So, thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.